electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. What a day. Market open week because of the coronavirus worries, then came roaring back when the World Health Organization reassured us that the outbreak's not that bad, with the Dow ultimately gaining 125 points, S&P rising 0.31%, NASDAQ advancing 0.26%. So we need to address the elephant in the room. Could we, could we possibly, potentially, be headed for a coronavirus-induced recession if we don't get this thing under control? Now, the stock market has been saying no, But my wife, who just got back from a trip to Poland, asked me that question a few minutes after she got settled. When she's not running one of those restaurants, she works in real estate. And we were looking at a house. She was stunned. Mortgage rates are back to 3%. She asked if the disease would shut everything down, and that's why rates are so low. Stocks are signaling prosperity, at least today. That's what I look at. Bonds are saving recession, and that's what she looks at. I told her the economy is too strong for recession, but then I hedged because I know that the gauge she looks at, mortgage rates, are priced off of treasuries, and the yield on the 10-year has now plummeted to 1.59%. That rate, said, that rate screams recession. The bond market is gigantic. we got to take it seriously. It may be wrong, but it's probably not that wrong. I know employment is fabulous and loan growth is pretty good at the banks when they report it. Nevertheless, you ignore the bond market at your own peril. I've known that. Since I started investing in 1979, if you don't watch the bond market, now, we only have a handful of coronavirus patients in this country. There's just one documented case of person-to-person transmission, and that was from spouse to spouse. The Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex um, Azar, was incredibly reassuring. When comparing the disease to others, he's fought when, when Azar was asked about it this morning on Squawk on the Street. He seemed pretty, you know... Redoubtable. I mean, there was a sense that maybe we're worrying too much given the precautions that he's taking and his group is. That's the way I kind of felt, even though we gave her all she got when we were asking him questions. 
But the more I thought about it, the more I felt like perhaps the HHS secretary was maybe he was too glib. And I stand by that reaction, even after the reassuring statement for the World Health Organization. Because the coronavirus has a two-week incubation period, as you now know, and carriers can spread the disease before it can be detected. doesn't matter if you put a, a thermometer to a person's head. They could still be incubating, and you never know. We're still allowing thousands of people from China to fly here every day. We haven't stopped those flights, even though there's a chance that the people on them might be sick, or whether they know it or not. Secretary Azar says we're monitoring these travelers, but other countries have taken more drastic action. Russia shut down its portal with China. Australia is quarantining their evacuees on an island. A lot of nationally owned airlines are spending flights. China's imposing a rigid quarantine on more than 50 million of its own people. That, that's something I've got to worry about. If someone dies of this disease here, heaven forbid, if someone dies from, this, dies from this disease in the United States, then I think the averages will get hit again. But that's not the main reason the bond market's freaking out. Here's the real issue. China's the second largest economy in the world. When you start talking about cordoning it off because of healthcare concerns, you better believe that's going to slow down this incredible growth engine. Maybe China, China GDP uh, growth slips from the 5 to 7% down to low single digits. Not that they will tell the truth about it, but you can surmise it. When you consider that we still have tariffs on $375 billion worth of Chinese exports and companies keep pulling out of the country to avoid them, well, you layer on the outbreak, and I think you've got the makings of a very fragile number two economy. And any slowdown in China will spread to the rest of the world almost as fast as this illness. Throw in supply disruptions, and you could have an economic disaster, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. I mean, what would it mean to Nike, Starbucks, to Apple? They sell big there. We know Starbucks has already closed half of its stores in China. Investors keep fleeing the stock in droves, even though I think that's wrong. How can industrials that depend on China, uh, big companies that you all heard of, DuPont, 3M, recover from their disappointing quarters with this albatross around their neck? What would it mean for all the big car companies that sell in the People's Republic, uh, especially the Germans, but also, of course, GM? And that's the key here. China's not just exporting a virus. It could potentially export a severe slowdown. Europe's their biggest trading partner, and uh, with this uh, major internal quarantine, their growth is going to slow, just when I thought that the banks there were getting their footing. Second problem, there are some cracks in our own economy. Uh, one of them, the most visible, is travel, where people are canceling, uh, actually, of course, going to Asia. But right now, 6,000 people are stranded on a carnival cruise ship off the coast of Italy because of a suspected case of the coronavirus. The stock's been weak and it stayed down, even after the averages rebounded. I don't see how it can bottom in this environment. It's reasonable to expect that air traffic overall will be curtailed, too, because of passengers worrying that every plane could be a gigantic incubator for this disease. Uh, there wouldn't be such a run on face masks. Mine don't come until February 10th. If people were concerned about close quarters, although honestly, the mask probably won't protect you. Uh, however, those worries, because everything's cut in either order, could be premature. Today, CNBC's own Phil LeBeau was asked if there's any decline in travel in the United States because of the virus, and he answered definitive no. I mean, that's reassuring. But we have to think about what could happen, not what's happening right now. The moment, heaven forbid, again, someone who didn't go to China dies from this disease in America. Well, then I'd be worried about the malls, the restaurants, really any gathering place that could become ghost towns. Third, stocks are painting what I would call a mixed picture. On the one hand, slowdown stocks like Mondelez, the snack maker, and Coca-Cola are flying on pretty good numbers. I mean, a blowout, but pretty good. You have to wonder how much of that is to do with recession fears. That's where you go to. You gravitate to those. I think the businesses are good, but the tailwind might be a worldwide s- slowdown. On the other hand, Amazon just reported after the close, and they totally knocked it out of the park. Stock up more than 200 points to so all-time high. Amazon stock says no slowdown. If anything, it says 
Well, how about an acceleration? The web services was good. I mean, maybe it's acceleration at the, you know, at the expense of some other guys, but it's acceleration. IBM's up, too, as Ginny Rometty announced she's stepping down as CEO, being replaced by the man who has led their cloud strategy, Arvind Krishna, with Jim Whiter's newly bought Red Hat being named president. They're all they're going all in cloud at IBM, and who can blame them? After both Microsoft and Amazon crushed it in the cloud last night and tonight, respectively. Fourth issue, the commodities. They're rolling over. That's it's not crashing. That's in sync with the bonds. Oil demand is slacking, and uh, oil can't rally in any scenario. Last night, Royal Dutch, one of the better producers, severely disappointed, reduced its buyback. Exxon's down 7% for 2020. 5.4% yield. Never thought I'd see that high yield. No one seems enticed. Freeport McMoran, the giant mineral company, stock's down 13% uh, since the year began. Deal, copper's down 11 straight days. That says recession. Of course, there are also plenty of companies like Amazon that are signaling the opposite. Apple sales are incredibly strong. Same goes for Microsoft and, of course, Tesla. More on that later. But the economically sensitive semiconductor plays like Micron Skyworks, they've been rolling over. Hey, maybe a good number from Compadre Western Digital reverses those declines. That happened about an hour ago. Now, here's the truth about these slowdown fears. Only a handful of companies have really reported weaker quarters. Most have reported good. Some have reported excellent. If we get the coronavirus under control or we just get some certainty that China's got it contained or even that the wave has peaked... Well, then you could see an extension of today's magnificent late afternoon rally. So I think it would be a mistake to do much more than a reposition out of oil and oil-related stocks because I think they are impaired. I'm betting we can get through this with only a few nicks, perhaps accentuated by a Bernie Sanders win in Iowa. That could scare people because Bernie's proudly anti-wealth, and that's not great for the stock market. But we're going to get it under control. I feel confident. But, but let me just give you some perspective, a little off-the-radar screen. When my wife Lisa was flying back from Krakow, in Poland, after attending the funeral of a good friend. On her plane, there were literally dozens of Holocaust survivors and their families, specifically Auschwitz survivors, who were there to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the the, uh, Nazi concentration camp's liberation. She talked to many of the survivors and their families, including a woman who was literally born there in the camp December of 1944, yet hidden underneath some paper, baby, who who lived a reminder of a real triumph. I think it puts everything in perspective. Bottom line, I think we can sell off again if we get more bad news on the coronavirus front. Again, a death here in the U.S. would hurt the stock market. But the earnings are looking good. And in the scheme of things, maybe the outbreak is not the end of the world. One bit of good news about the coronavirus, and we could have a real run. But we need that news before we can get real aggressive. Charlie in Vermont. Charlie. Yes. Hi, a huge booyah to you, Jim. Right back I've at been you. Listening to you. I have been listening to you for over 10 years and a first-time caller, also a member of the Action Alerts Club. Yes, the club. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, the club. Thank we got you, some Jim, good for... ideas. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jim. Thank you for all you have done for me and my family and especially for my young grandchildren. There you go. I have made lots of lots and lots of money from you, Jim. Thank you. Listening to you, of course. And my question is about Marvel Technologies, MRVL. Yeah, okay. So I said in my video today, uh, Catherine Ross asked me, it's uh, some videos I do for uh, Action Alerts, that, look, the stock's going to come down. It just soared to 28. Uh, It's been a wild one. It goes up, down, up, down. But ultimately, it's going to be up big. So just hold on. And if it goes below 24, I want you to buy, buy, buy as aggressively as you can. Let's go. It's a great 5G play. Let's go to Rod in New York. Rod. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I am good. I just got off the phone with Charlie in Vermont. He was so complimentary. I'm soaring right now. What do you got? 
Okay. I have a stake in Twilio, and earnings are coming out next week. Yes. With so much competition and a juggernaut like Microsoft in the cloud business, is that something to worry about? Are we still jazzed on Twilio? I would say they're complementary. I mean, I learned to code out of Twilio. Uh, Travel Trust has a position in it. I will candidly admit that that last interchange we had with Twilio um, was a with Jeff Lawson was a bad one, if you remember. But he came on the show and said, listen, the accounting issue is not going to happen again. And business is good. This is it. This man has put his neck on the line and I'm going with Jeff. But I guess mine could get cut off, too. He doesn't do it right. right, Listen up. I, I know you're scared of a slowdown because of the coronavirus. But I think we're going to get through this, you and me, with only just a few nicks. And let's keep everything in perspective. Remember the story about my wife. Oh, man, money tonight. This is where the love of the game and money make it. <laughs> making money intersect. I'm checking out stocks that can serve as your portfolio's tight ends. And no, it's not Sackers. Then, I'm dissecting Tesla's ball quarter and getting to the bottom of what doing the shorts fast and furious style. And Texas Capital Independent Bank are merging to create a super regional. It is so cheap. Well, why don't you listen to both of them and you'll know. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. I'm always trying to make the stock market more accessible for you, regular people, not the hedge fund kings that I bet you're sick of hearing about. So as part of the run-up to the big game this weekend, I've been giving you an extended football metaphor. If you can understand where a given set of stocks might fit into an NFL team, you might have an easier time figuring out whether or not they belong in your portfolio. So far this week, we give you the quarterbacks, running backs. Remember, we said my favorite running back, Raheem Mostert, was Tesla and wide receivers. Tonight, we're looking at tight ends, the most versatile position on the field. These players are part run blocker and part pass catcher. 
But if you're a big fantasy football fan like I am, then you know the tight end spot is one of the toughest positions to, to, to judge year in, year out. Tight end production tends to be unpredictable. They often get an inconsistent amount of passes. They rarely rack up huge yardage totals. And uh, so they're typically more dependent on touchdowns for their scoring totals. That is, unless you're lucky enough to snag one of the best tight ends in the league, the pass-catching focused tight ends who play like wide receivers and can put up numbers that are just as strong. The very best tight ends are like a safety blanket for their quarterbacks. They're big, they're reliable, and they're usually the guys the QB turns to when the pass rush gets intense, and they need to unload the ball in a hurry. In short, tight ends are the football equivalent of big pharma stocks. The major drug companies pay you fat dividends that make their stocks good, safe havens during periods of volatility, like right now. But the best pharma names aren't just dividend stocks. They're also working to develop new drugs that can give you terrific share price appreciation if everything goes right. That's the same combination of offense and defense that a good tight end gives you. Now, going to the big game, that shall not be named because the NFL can be touchy about their trademark. Both teams have excellent, even super tight ends. Kansas City's Travis Kelsey is arguably the best in the league, while San Francisco's George Kittle is checking off some late, uh, late year injuries to become a phenomenal player. Let's start with Kansas City. Last time I mentioned the Chiefs' two best wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, who, by the way, Adam Schefter just reports, but you may sit out. What's that all about? Um, but the best overall receiver no, for next year, the best overall receiver on the team was actually Travis Kelsey. He led the team in receptions and receiving yards. When you look at the top performing tight ends in fantasy football, he's been number one or number two every year since 2016. He's played for the Ski Daddies, by the way, that's my fantasy team, and crushed it almost every weekend. Since last year, though, Kelsey's been teamed up with Pat Mahomes, the dynamic quarterback we mentioned on Monday. He's effectively become Mahomes' safety valve. In the Kansas City's first uh, playoff game this year, oh, man, what a game. When the team found itself down 24-0 early, they dialed up play after play that went to Kelsey, who accumulated 10 catches for 130 yards, 130 yards and three touchdowns. That only let the Chiefs pull off a stunning comeback. So which of the big pharma stocks offered Travis Kelsey like safety? while also giving you some firepower in terms of earnings growth. You know what I think? I think it's ABV, ABBV. Perhaps my favorite pick in the whole industry ever since it announced the gigantic acquisition of Allergan last summer. Uh, on the one hand, ABV protects you with a bountiful 5.8% yield. And we know that payout is safe because after the Allergan deal closes, the combined company will be the third largest cash generator in the industry. Management's so confident they just gave you a 10% dividend boost in November, so that 5.8% is solid. On the other hand, Abby's not just defensive. It can still make big plays. In fact, they expect the Allergan deal to boost their earnings potential by more than 10% the first full year after it closes, with that number eventually rising to 20%. Plus, Allergan's got game-changing acute migraine treatment in the pipeline that actually just got a approval. I actually got the pill. You know, I'm the spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation. I got, I got the pill on, on Monday. I haven't had to take it yet, thank heavens. But as someone who suffers from migraines, I am telling you, this thing is chronically undervalued by all the analysts. I guess they've just never had a migraine. Best of all, the stock is darn cheap, trading at less than nine times earnings. Come on, no value in this market? This thing deserves a much higher valuation, especially after being obliterated these last few days. Just like Travis Kelsey was a great player who got even better once Patrick Mahomes joined the team, Abby was a great company that got even better when they're buying Allergan. All right, how about this fellow, George Kittle? Terrific tight end for the 49ers, which, remember, 49ers are not a pass offense, but Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. Strong case to be made that Kittle's a close second, although, you know... You know me, all right? I think he's a close second. Uh, 
He's so good, but then again, we didn't. Well, whatever. We're great, too. For the past two seasons, he's been, uh, Kittle's been the second-best fantasy performer at the tight end position. He was San Francisco's top pass catcher this season, uh, better than Debo, who we had as a wide receiver, putting together some eye-popping overall stats, even though he only played in 14 games because he had an injury. Turns out he's been doing that with a torn labor. The thing about Kittle is that he simply continues to produce even when he's hurt. Tough guy. In his first game back after his injury this season, he had six catches on six targets, total of 129 yards, 61-yard touchdown. Not bad for a guy with a bum ankle and a bum knee. Still, perhaps because of his injuries, Kittle never seems to get the respect he deserves. I don't know if they're going to cover him the way they should. Kansas City defense, pass defense, a little weak. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Bristol Myers. We spent years hearing that Bristol Myers was second fiddle to Merck in the cancer space and J&J in the anticoagulant space. But through it all, Bristol Myers continues to produce. The company's a byword for steady performance. Earned $2 per share in 2015. Expected to make $6.16 per share this year. Yet over the past five years, the stock's up just 6%. Like Kittle, it's under, just, just overlooked. Early last year, Bristol-Myers got sick of the market's disrespect and took their fate into their own hands with the transformational acquisition of Celgene, a deal that closed in November, a deal that I was the only one that liked when the stock was at 46. It's given them a huge anti-cancer franchise and an even bigger pipeline of potential blockbuster drugs. With the Celgene deal, Bristol-Myers now has the mix of safety and growth that we love in big pharma. It is a terrific tight end of a stock. Now, an Avi versus Bristol-Myers matchup is a bit of a foregone conclusion, like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I think Avi and Kelsey are better. Avi's got the cheaper stock. It's got a much higher yield. And the payoff from their Algon acquisition will be more immediate than the payoff from the Bristol-Selgin deal. And Bristol's run a great deal. However, it's not that much better. And as I told you last fall, I think you can do well with either. Although if I were in you know, fantasy, I'm always going to draft tra- Travis first which is why we gave him AbbVie. In fact, you know what? We own both AbbVie and Bristol-Myers for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Put a gun in my head and told me to choose just one, I beg you to take the gun away. But failing that, I would pick AbbVie. Now, you don't have to have a gun to your head. Either one works fine. Get comfortable with one or the other. You need a tight end. Bottom line, I'm looking forward to watching AbbVie and Bristol-Myers duke it out for the title of top performer in my charitable trust, just as I expect Kelsey and Kittle to keep fighting for the, the title of top tight end. This is a close matchup. And while I have a preference, I actually think you're good either way. Stick with Kramer. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed.
Most companies that consistently lose big money will fail, plain and simple. Oh, sure, they can come public. They can dazzle us for a few quarters where it looks like everything's finally coming together. But most of the time, it doesn't happen. They end up cutting your heart out. Like that priest in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And then the short sellers feast on it. The people who've been arguing for days, months, years, that it would all come crashing down, they make the big money. Every once in a while, though, someone pulls it off. They take an astonishing idea right through the gauntlet and make it to the promised land of milk and honey, usually through the brute force of the founder, the unbelievable nature of the product, and breathtaking execution from the team. You typically need all three, which brings me to Tesla, okay? Because Tesla has it all. Last night, Tesla reported a staggering quarter, their second in a row, and it left no doubt that the messianic longs were right all along. If I weren't so chill... Uh, then, you know, to make a, I would take a moment to roast the short sellers who kept telling me that this thing is going to crash. On the surface, the results were solid. Tesla reported non-gap earnings of $2.14 a share, billion dollars in free cash flow, projection of 500,000 cars to be delivered. But underneath, it was insanely good, which is why the already red-hot stock surged more than 10% today. From listening to the conference call, which was pure joy, by the way, it's obvious that Musk could make a million cars this year, and he still wouldn't be anywhere close to meeting the demand for these things. You think if Ford and GM doubled their production, they'd make more money? If anything, they'd probably lose more money. The red ink would drip from those cars, given the incredible execution and how quickly Tesla can build new plants. Ten months for plant in China. All right, but they built a hospital in 10 days. Anything's happening. Uh, there's uh, the one that's going to go up in Berlin. It's going to be amazing. Musk may be able to get output somewhere close to where the demand is sooner than you think. Then again, as he explains, Tesla's on the road beget the demand for more Teslas. People see these cars and they want one. I want you to do this. While you're sitting through all the car advertisements during the big game this weekend, remember that these companies are spending billions to stimulate demand that comes to Tesla naturally. They don't spend anything. Still, even knowing all this, the turn here has been stunning with the stock up 165% over the last four months. How is that even possible? Oh, by the way, yeah, I know you got to be only in index funds. You can't pick stocks. Who knew about Tesla? How about all the people who rode in them? To understand this move, you have to consider the last couple of times something like this happened. I'm talking about Amazon and Netflix. When Jeff Bezos launched Amazon, it was an online bookstore. I remember going out to see the good people at Borders Books in Ann Arbor, Michigan, 15 years ago. And they were just barely confronting the possibility that maybe Amazon was for real. Even as Amazon was, at that very moment, putting them out of business. I had a similar experience with the CEO of a major national retailer, now in bankruptcy at about the same time. He told me Amazon was losing fortunes on every object besides books. Well, have you seen, um, let's say there's a department store that used to be a household name in this country? We don't see it much anymore. And, of course, where's Amazon? Through 2000 tonight. Back in those days, when you talk to the smartest guys on Wall Street, the two words they most commonly used to describe Amazon were Ponzi and scheme. It was always the most shorted stock around. 
with one short seller after another, arguing that the business couldn't last. Eventually, Jeff Bezos would run out of money before Amazon ever amounted to anything. But, you know, there were always true believers. There were people who loved the product, people who found the alternative, uh, going to the mall, looking for a parking spot, walking around in a dreary house of consumption, to be repulsive, repugnant, and exercise in inconvenience and frustration where you end up paying top dollar prices to be hustled by bottom dollar businesses. And I say this as someone who actually likes to shop. My family was steeped in retail, but even I was smitten by Amazon early on. I couldn't figure out why the shorts hated it so much. I mean, Chapel Trust has owned it since probably like the beginning. The bizarrely charismatic founder and CEO was beyond rigorous. The model seemed obvious with palpable ambition and mind-blowing execution. As long as Bezos stayed on the path to world domination, I figured Wall Street would always give him money no matter how quickly he burned through it. And that's exactly what happened. Wall Street gave him the money to make it work. Amazon became the greatest consumer growth stock of our time. I'm sure people are going to refer to that, particularly after tonight's performance. They're the best performer of the year. And the shorts? Well, the shorts in Amazon, well, they're all gone. Saw the same thing with Netflix. Who could have believed that a mall-based DVD rental service would become such a huge success? Not Reed Hastings, the chairman, co-founder, and CEO. That's why he changed his model, ditching DVDs to become a service that lets you stream a huge library of videos online for a ridiculously low price. A whole month of Netflix is cheaper than going to the movie theater for two hours. And rather than going to the movie theater and watch something you don't like, he pushes exactly what you want just to you. Just like with Amazon, the shorts looked at the plan and found it wanting. How long could this clown keep losing money, they asked. The answer, as long as it takes to get rolling. Because Wall Street would gladly raise money for a talented executive who dreams of disrupting an entire industry. They love that. Again, like Amazon, if you're a Netflix user, the stock made perfect sense. But to the bean counters, its valuation seemed absurd. In the end, Netflix obliterated the shorts. Some of these guys were very smart, much smarter than I am, but they just didn't get it. They probably didn't use the product. And now along comes Tesla. Elon Musk has fought everyone, including himself, to create a technological marvel on wheels. This is a deliciously whimsical, always superior vehicle that fits the millennial zeitgeist of first do no harm to the planet. I think there's a huge appetite for any kind of legitimate play on sustainability, and his is exhibit A. I know I wasn't early on this one. I was on the fence for too long. I wanted to wait for a breakout quarter that told me Tesla would be able to make it. I'd rather be too late than too early when I'm dispensing advice here because I don't want to bury you in situations that don't work out. Three months ago, we got that breakout quarter. I've been waiting for it. At the same time, my family got to drive the X and the 3, and I became a believer now that the balance sheet was fixed. What can I say? I test drove the original, and I loved it, but it wasn't enough for me because I was too focused on the financials. Still, I can't feel too bad for being late here because Tesla gave you a quick 340 point gain since I turned positive on it. Not so bad. So what did the short sellers miss here? Okay, I think they misjudged Musk once he got serious and stopped fooling around on Twitter or antagonizing the SEC. They misjudged the car, which isn't just a car. It's more like a digitized Batmobile, as you can tell from the rapturous questions asked by real people in a conference call, not analysts. Most importantly, they misjudged Wall Street. Okay, I've been ambivalent about Tesla. And until that quarter, that drive and that brilliant CFO uh, who I mentioned uh, my fears about when I was uh, a long time ago when the stock was much lower. They told me, hey, listen, Elon could raise two billion dollars in one phone call. Well, in the end, that's what doing the shorts. There was all the capital in the world for some for a founder who had great product and execution. And that's what the shorts couldn't figure out. The bottom line, Wall Street never runs out of money for a company that has the best product. 
flawless execution and off-the-charts demand. They don't come around very often, but when they do, the usual financial concerns go out the window. And like Amazon tonight, like Tesla last night, the real believers make the big money. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer. Dave. Hey, I'm, I'm still licking my wounds on charitable trust holding Facebook today, but I digress. Today, I would like your take on a name in sports cars. It's not Red Hot Stock Tesla, and it's not recent IPO Aston Martin. I'm talking today about Ferrari. Recognizing that you live in a split-perform preference Italian sports car household, as Lisa admires Lamborghini, Ferrari is up 34% in the last 12 months. Dave, listen, Ferrari is a great company. It's also a cold stock. And uh, you know what? It's a fantastic business. And I think you're right to like it. Um, Facebook, I think, is going to come back. I mean, it's absolutely true. I had a bad day today. Raymond James uh, just gunned it so bad yesterday. But, you know, Dave, we got that Facebook. We got some at 20, like 20, 30, 40, 50. So we're doing well. Thank you for that call. I do like race. I have the red jacket, too, and I wear it. Clarence in Connecticut. Clarence. Oh, a big town, Connecticut. Booyah to you, Jim. You've got a lot of viewers here in town. Oh, man, that's great. Thank you. I love to hear Uh, that because, wow, it is hard to come out to do the show every night unless people do like it. What's going on? All right. This stock gapped up on strong volume after an earnings beat December 10th to a new all-time high, but it's traded straight downhill since then, and it sits below its 200-day moving average now. I know it buys back its own stock. It has a very large institutional ownership, and it looks oversold on a technical basis. But I'm still afraid to pull the trigger on AutoZone. No, AC no, come on. This is when you buy it. You buy an inch a quarter. They're going to put a good number. They're buying back that huge amount of stock, as you said. I feel, I feel that it's a compelling compelling situation and yes even though amazon reported a great number tonight amazon was never able to crash into that parts business you're in good shape clarence all right and thank you for the kind comments uh tesla just has it it has what it takes to stun the shorts and go up huge and the believers make big money as they did tonight in amazon much more money ahead first these two bank stocks have been dropping since they announced the merger What's that about? I'm sitting down with the CEOs of Texas Capital and Independent Bank to find out. Then, well, let's talk about spin. Spin, baby. I'm giving you the good and the bad and the non-existent. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. The long-term rates plummeting. The bank stocks have been getting hammered here. But I think something very exciting is going on among the regional banks. We're seeing some major consolidation. Last year, SunTrust merged with BB&T. We like that. How about this First Horizon announced that it's buying uh, Iberia Bank? We had First Horizon on. thought that was a terrific deal. Tonight, we've got another one for you. It's the pending merger between Independent Bank Group and Texas Capital Bank Shares, which was announced last month. This is an all-stock merger of equals to create a super regional bank with a big presence in Colorado, huge in Texas. At the time of the announcement, both companies pointed out that there'd be substantial cost synergies, and the earnings would get a significant boost right here I mean, in the deck. It's very clear. 
However, since popping a bit on the news, both stocks have been hammered, down about 15% each. Could this be the buying opportunity we're looking for? Let's take a closer look with C. Keith Cargo. He's the president and CEO of Texas Capital, and David R. Brooks, the chairman president and CEO of Independent Bank Group, to get a better read on this deal. Mr. Cargo, Mr. Brooks, welcome to Mad Money. Uh, people say that there's no nothing cheap in this market, that it's moved so much and that there isn't anything left. I have to tell you, gentlemen, this is one of the cheapest stocks I have ever seen. How do we get the value out of it? The combination of t- these two excellent companies in five of the most powerful economic markets in the country, uh, Texas as well as Colorado, Denver, and the execution, the exceptional execution of that combination should create a powerhouse. Yeah, Keith, because what I'm looking at is this is the best state in the union. It's the state that benefited the most from salt. A state that really has been doing incredibly well with, with or without oil, uh, non-performers really down. Uh, are people just not aware? I think it's a combination of things, Jim. Uh, at the end of the day, the bank stocks generally have traded down right. since the merger announcement. So that's uh, accentuated this, this downtick. The others that have announced MOEs this year have experienced similar yes. volatility. So I, I do believe it's a show me. And mm-hmm. we're all prepared to make that happen. Well, David, do you think it's in part because, you know, I'm getting a mortgage right now. I'm getting it at 3%. The 10 years at one and a half. How do you make any money at these rates? That's been the hard thing, yeah. uh, Jim. And I think that's why you've seen the kind of uh, merger of equal transactions that have been announced this year. Uh, I think that building scale, having the ability to compete, get your overhead right. down, uh, it, dealing with these longer than we ever thought we would see interest rates. And so uh, we feel good about the cost synergies you mentioned, but also being able to grow a great company in the best markets in the country. Well, and you're also a, a community bank, so to speak. And I know the big, big companies are always telling me, Jim, forget those guys. I actually think if you're trying to get a loan, you're not going to get a loan from a big bank. They're the last ones that want to give you a loan, unless you're a giant company. Right. Your guys, it's relationship banking. It's been relationship banking for us, and people want to be able to tell their story. We think that's not going to go out of style. We have to be nimble, and that's the way to make quick decisions, empower people to make good decisions, take care of their customers. And at the same time, the non-performers are low, so it's obviously they know who they're lending to. Absolutely. I think when you embed in a community and help community uh, build healthy communities and invest in local businesses, that's a win. All right, Keith, you guys are doing something that's so novel that I said i got to get, I got to open an account. I mean, I'm not... Texan, but tell me about Basque Bank, because you know what? It's about time someone offered something that's a little different than just the 1.2 that I'm getting. We're excited about it, too, Jim. We believe offering uh, our clients uh, an experience as opposed to a very low rate of interest is something that they would like and enjoy. And that's the feedback we've gotten. We're very excited about this being phase one of building out a digital platform right. where we'll offer even more product across our different Well, tell platforms. us about the American relationship. American relationship for us American goes Air. back okay. more than 20 years okay. uh, when we formed Bank Direct, an online bank that we still have today. But what we didn't have with Bank Direct is this digital capability to use your uh, mobile device and open an account within five minutes or less. Right. We think this is going to be a really uh, great advantage and also lead to these other products. So how do I get um, extract my own value? What do I get from, from American? 
Well, it's, uh, it's going to be able to track for you how many miles you're accumulating. And so if you were to deposit, just to pick a number, $50,000 for a year, you'd get 50,000 miles. So dollar per mile. I think that's terrific. And this is now that's new for you. Or did you guys always work, try to work on this together? It is new for us. Okay. And one of the great things about this combination, Jim, is the, the amount of technology and forward thinking technology that Keith and his team have put together. And I think we'll be the huge beneficiary of that in the days ahead. At the same time, I, it is I had a service now earlier this week, did. And one of the things that was really incredible this morning, you do need all this workflow technology and your customer relations management. Does it really work? Does the software really work? Or is the good old-fashioned banking good enough? I think uh, you're going to have to have customer experience technology, uh, first-rate customer experience technology. Some of the other stuff I don't know about, but uh, we're going to do that well. Well, it is. You just can't be a banker, I guess just plain old banker anymore to compete with the big guys that is and you got to do both got to do both okay that's keith cargill is president and ceo of texas capital bank shares and david brooks the chairman president and ceo of independent bank group they're getting together once again an incredibly cheap stock i'm tired of hearing there is no value in this market they have money's back after the break And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, time for the lightning round. Come on, with Phil in New Jersey. Phil. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Phil. I have a question for you about sure. United Health. I- yeah. Uh, you know what, Phil? I know you, you've called me a bunch of times, and I really appreciate it. And I have to tell you that I felt that the possibility that Bernie Sanders wins on Monday made it so that we had to sell United Health for the Travel Trust, even though I think it's a great company because I think he shouldn't. He doesn't even believe it should exist. Mike in Florida. Mike, my bike. Jimmy, can I get an update on Nordstrom? Well, you know what, my buddy, my uh, Matt Boss at, at J.P. Morgan is really saying, you know what, this could be, this could be, this could be. But you know what I say? It's like let somebody else make that uh, that money. I gotta let somebody else make that money because I prefer. Costco! And they have just as nice shirts, by the way. I've got some really nice shirts at Costco. Let's go to Troy in Pennsylvania. Troy! Hey, booyah, Jim! Yo! I'm here with my I'm here with my one-year-old son, Riley. Um, love your show. So. Early investor. Um, love that. <laughs> yeah, right. Real young. So, I know you're not a fan of big oil, but no. what about small... Yeah, so what about small oil? I invested in something this summer. I was, I'm a new investor. I invested in a, a group called Reggie, a renewable energy group. Yeah, you know what? It reminds me of, uh, of uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those companies that really recycles old oil. I don't know whether it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a renewable chemical company that I think has a place to suspect, but that is it, okay? I'd rather be in clean harbors. I really would. Let's go to Tim in Utah. Tim! Hi, Jim. I've been watching Grand Canyon Education. Well, keep watching. Don't touch it. Let's go to uh, Matt in New York. Matt! Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. So uh, I'm one of the portfolio managers for the Syracuse University Investment Club, and we recently made an investment in Vertex Pharmaceuticals. I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that a cystic fibrosis drug is the real deal, and Wall Street continually underestimates it. Maybe they should know a little bit more about that horrible disease. Jack in Ohio. Jack. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jim. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking to add more shares to my holdings. Okay. It's a recent run-up. Is it too late to add more Southern Electric? Yes, F-O. yes. You got to let that one cool off. Same thing with Dominion. I've been recommending Dominion for ages. You got to let them cool off. Way too hot for this guy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the 
Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. This quarter of the market suddenly very concerned with, with corporate spending. Businesses do need to spend in order to grow. But if they spend too much without a quick reward, then they're seen as bad spenders, unless the money's going to environmental sustainability, which Wall Street suddenly likes. When they uh, get a lot of bang for their buck, we call that good spending. So let's start with the good. One of the leaders in the S&P today was Mondelez, the snack maker. Do you know that this stock surged almost 8% in part because it had much better than expected growth, and it didn't need to spend a fortune to get it. In fact, the only spending I could make out was money toward local media and international markets to take share from their competitors. It's a brilliant strategy, but I, what I like more is that Mondelez said that this initiative could soon be self-funding, meaning they don't have to spend at all. Holy cow, that's the holy grail, because it means they'll be able to keep taking share relentlessly. I think Mondelez is the greatest stock, maybe, from the, uh, in terms of if the market comes down on a completely coronavirus news, because you know that they're going to just get better and better. This is going to send the whole market lower. I want you to reach for the mystery. Mystery How cool. How cool is that? Two two cookies, 140 calories. Jimmy Chill doesn't eat that crap. Okay. Oh, not allowed to use that word. Uh, Anyway, it's it's like it's saying like the big game on Sundays, things you can't say on air. Um, That's wrong, too. No. But it's very good for business. Uh, it doesn't matter. A, when we do the show in post-production, you can take that out. Okay, then there's Microsoft. Now, they reported a remarkable quarter with rising margins. Those look fantastic. Uh, by the way, 60% plus growth in the cloud. I mean, what's spending stuck out to me? The billion-dollar fund Microsoft created to reduce carbon emissions and boost renewables. That fund, along with the company's decision to go carbon negative by 2030, means that Microsoft's a premier destination for all the ESG money for the, that's flooding into the market. There are tons of these funds focused on environmental, social, and corporate governance, and they're rewarding companies that go green. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said his shareholders are on board because the company keeps delivering. Take a look! in some sense, the way I look at it and say is, hey, let's go after the core of what we're doing. It's not about caring about ethereal things. Our shareholders, I I am always saying, our shareholders are the ones who are giving us permission to be able to think about whether it is uh, the uh, affordable housing or whether it's the carbon. It's our shareholders who care as much about this as anyone else. Don't you love him? I think he's great. And by the way, for all those who thought that I, I, I didn't really throw these the whole time, Okay, uh, a Microsoft stock hit an, an all-time high today, and it remains viable, like Mondelez. See? And not one broke. All right, how about Tesla? Honestly, as I mentioned earlier, we don't really care how much that, that Elon Musk spends, do we? But Musk's not using his money to advertise. That's a big waste. He's using it to build factories that will help satisfy the voracious demand for cars. His cars. Tesla doesn't, oh yeah, and I pick up the, Tesla doesn't need to spend uh, to fight the competition. They already own the category. Remember, he's in a different category from autos. He's a technologist. So what does the market consider bad spending? All right, this is sad because I like this company very much. The money that UPS is shelling out to speed up delivery to small and medium-sized businesses, including weekend delivery, it's an expensive move, but I bet it could pay dividends as early as next year. Plus, it might keep Amazon happy. Wall Street doesn't like it. 
But I think it's necessary if UPS wants to land a knockout blow to the hobbled FedEx. When a competitor's down, you, you don't let up. Instead, you step on their jugular. You go all toto, which is turn off the oxygen. That's exactly what UPS is doing to, to FedEx, even if they're not getting any respect for it. That's a shame. Finally, there's the spending Facebook committed to. Spending that seems like it will actually constrain their earnings as the company gets its house in order in order to meet all sorts of regulatory hurdles. I don't blame Facebook. They don't really have a choice here. But there's a reason the stock tumbled 6% today. That's called unfortunate but necessary spending. And it makes their company worth less to Wall Street, even if Washington demands it. Stick with Craig. Amazon Web Services. I thought they were supposed to be doing badly. They crushed it. Like I said, there's always a market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.